And we'll cover the first few verses here, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8 and verse number 1. It's a very interesting subject this evening, and I want you to see it in these first six or so verses here. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him, for he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please guide and direct in the service this evening and anoint this service with power from on high. I beg You please that You would fill me. And Lord, I, 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 I beg You please for the filling of Your Holy Spirit. And I, I, I yield my thoughts and my speech to You. And Lord, I yield this service to You. Please, Lord, anoint this service with power from on high. We pray these things as we ask Him in Jesus' name. And Amen. You can be seated. A very interesting subject is presented to us here. And the truth is, I almost skipped over it. As we came through these verses, and as I've studied them for the past couple few weeks, and thought on them, meditated on them, I nearly skipped over it. And it's not because I don't believe that there, are, there is importance in every word of God. There certainly is. But I, I began to try to determine whether it was something that was applicable. Is that better, Brother David? to this time of history. The truth is that most of us don't deal with kings, but there is some very interesting counsel that's being given to us, and I believe that it can apply to all people of authority. I want you to notice here in verse number 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 8, the Bible says, Who is as the wise man, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. He starts in the first verse by kind of asking the question, who is as the wise man? So he's, he's, he's posing a question to you. Will you be wise? Are you as a wise person? And he's also, I think, uh, in some ways, kind of decrying the idea that there aren't very many people anymore that are all that wise. Now, in, uh, in Solomon's day, if there weren't all that many people that were wise, then I have no doubt that maybe in our day there are even less of them. People think that we're becoming more and more intelligent because we live in the information age, but the reality is that the exact opposite is true, that we have a smaller vocabulary today than we ever have before, uh, that the number of English words that are known by the average person I think is somewhere around 10,000 or so. They said that during Shakespeare's day, the average vocabulary was somewhere around 33,000 English words. We use so many slang words and things today, people don't even know what a lot of the English language means anymore. But I'm not convinced...
getting smarter. I believe we have more information, but I'm not sure we're getting all that much wiser. Wisdom is different from knowledge. The way to apply knowledge is what we call wisdom. You can have a lot of knowledge, but do you know how to make decisions in life on how to apply the information that you have? That's where real, real wisdom is discerned. And Solomon says in his day, I don't know that there's a lot of wise people in the earth today. Who is as the wise man? But uh, then he says in verse number 2, he says, So I counsel thee to do what? To keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God. Now, we don't deal with kings anymore, necessarily. Not in America, we don't. We fought an entire war to make sure we didn't have to deal with kings anymore. Amen to that. I still have a, I, I wear a hat every now and then that has an American flag on it with the 13 original colony stars on it. I believe we ought to know where we came from and what was fought for and what was bled and died and what we bled and died for in this country because unfortunately we're giving all of that up like crazy. I can't even imagine how in the world Kentucky reelected this, this Bashir governor. I can't remember his first name. I don't know. Matt Bevins was before him. Now they got Andy Bashir, I think it is. Uh, he, he, was, he was so much of a dictator during the COVID lockdowns, it's ridiculous. Why in the world is America willing to reelect men that have proven themselves to be dictators is beyond me. That makes no sense to me. We're losing many of our freedoms, and we're, we're, Americans are dumb enough to vote for somebody that because they promise them free things, they'll vote for them instead of voting for principles. And that's what we're wrestling with today. Somebody once very simply and wisely put it this way, when you're trying to defeat the Democrats or anybody that is promising to give everybody all kinds of free stuff, bigger welfare and, 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 and free health care and all these types of things, we see what free health care has done to our, uh, to our medical system over the last 15 years or so. They warned us this was coming when, when Obama was trying to shove through his Obamacare plan. They warned us that everything that is happening now was going to be happening. They told us that was going to happen because we already saw it in Canada. People were coming here from Canada to try to get their medical uh, uh, things taken care of because the waiting times in Canada were so long and because there were less and less doctors and nurses willing to go into the field because government-funded medicine is not the kind of medicine that encourages good doctors and nurses to make a living out of it. They told us this was coming, but we wanted free health care, so we voted it in, and now... Um, remember when they said, if you, uh, if you want to keep your plan, you'll be able to keep your plan, except for the fact that, um, or if you like your plan, you'll be able to keep your plan, except for the fact that the cost of your plan skyrocketed by, what was it, triple? Anyway, um, we're giving away all these freedoms. We don't deal with, and used to not deal with kings anymore in our country. We fought wars against that, but we are, we are electing people into office that are acting as dictators over us. So maybe actually this is going to apply more in the near future. All right, I'll try to get off of that. Can't even I could not even believe how some of the elections went last night. I guess the timing isn't all that coincidental. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment and that in regard of the oath of God. Now what is the oath of God? I think there's two ways to look at this. Then you study your Bibles and determine what you think of it yourself. Turn your Bibles over to Romans. Keep your place there. We'll certainly come back to this. But turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter number 13 and look at verse number 1. Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 1. 
This is a popular passage. Many of you will know it once we begin to read it. Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive in themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to, uh, to good works, but to the evil. And he goes on. Look at verse number 4. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye what? Tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, some people say Romans chapter 13 doesn't apply to government, it's all about the preacher. But then how in the world do you explain that we're talking about in verse number 6, pay ye tribute, and in verse number 7, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. Does that not sound a lot like what Jesus said when he, is asked, he was asked whether or not they were going to pay the tax of the region? He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's, right? I believe this is talking about our governmental powers that are ordained over us. And yes, they are ordained over us. And if you'll go back into the Old Testament and study when God gave certain kings and judges to Israel, He anointed, or should I say, excuse me, appointed certain rulers over Israel to either be a blessing to them or to judge them. Are you with me? And sometimes an entire generation would get a bunch of rulers or would go into uh, into captivity to another nation because of their wickedness. And I believe firmly, as much as we may or may not like it, that, that Biden and everybody else is ordained of God for our good or for our judgment. I think God gave us a chance with a, a, a president that was willing to give a lot of freedom to America and to our churches and may have been the best president we've ever seen for churches in my day except Reagan and I barely remember Reagan but I do remember him with Trump as much as I don't agree with a lot of what he says and does he he was one of the most America loving God honoring um, presidents we've had in maybe an entire generation and even though he was God honoring he was also Henri and wanted to give rights to gays and lesbians and transgenders and all that junk too. So I don't agree with him on everything. Um, I disagree with him on a lot. But we got, we got a little respite for about four years. And then I believe that God gave us a chance to turn things around and when I say turn things around, I don't mean politically. I mean God gave us a chance, I believe, to turn back to Him, and we didn't do it. Unfortunately, under the prosperity of the Trump years, we became more materialistic and less about God. And we put all of our focus on Trump instead of God. And we thought He was the reason our country was seeing success. And the reality is God put Him there, and I think it was a lesson to us about what actually happened to us when we got a president that was doing well. We put, all of the, we put all of the honor on Him instead of acknowledging that God ordained all of that and He was the one that put Him in office. We should have turned to God instead of Trump. I'd rather have Trump in office than anybody that is uh, on the, the, the ticket right now, certainly more than Biden. But he, 
He wasn't the reason that we got four years of respite. God was. And if we think Trump is our Savior, that's where we're all messed up. But God ordains these men. And whether for our good or for our judgment, He does those things. God even ordained Nebuchadnezzar, who was one of the most vile, wicked, violent men that ever lived. And you go study his history, you find out that God is the one who specifically spoke to him, ordained him, and put him in his place in order to judge the nations of the earth and in order to judge Israel. And eventually, Nebuchadnezzar's heart turned to God. I don't know this. You go study it out for yourself. But I suspicion whether or not we might see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven one day. I don't know. But when you hear some of his testimony towards the end there, I, I, have, I wonder. But that guy was, was violent and ordained of God to be a judge against Israel and then to be in some ways a blessing to them. It's crazy how that all works, but God does that stuff. So look, y'all, now we go back to Ecclesiastes. And we see it in chapter 8 and verse number 2. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God. What is the oath of God? Well, the Bible tells us that God ordains these men for their positions, and the powers that be are there because they were put there by God's power. That's the way it goes. Now we look at verse number 2 again in a different light. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment. So here is a king who has seen people stand before him, and at the end of his life, he's trying to give some counsel to you when you stand before a person of authority. You catch that? When you stand before a person of authority, do it in regard to the oath of God. The fact that you are standing in front of that person, whether it's a judge or a policeman or a president or whoever, a pastor or whoever. And, I, and I, I, I'm reluctant to say that, but I can show you multiple places in the Scripture where the, where the Lord refers to a pastor as one who has the rule over you. So, But people of authority, God gives us some counsel here, and He says, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment. And this is coming from a king. He's, he's telling people, look, I have had people stand before me, and let me give you some counsel here. Is everybody... And that in regard of the oath of God. You can look at that two ways. One, because it is... We have given as Christians and, and believers in God's Word an oath to Him that we will obey the authorities that He puts over us. Or, you could look at it this way, a second way, and I believe both are true personally. In regard of the oath of God, in other words, in regard to what God says is right. We keep laws and we do them according to what we are told to do by the laws of our land. But our oath with God comes first. In Acts chapter number 5, when, when some of the apostles were, were, were uh, to stand before kings and magistrates of that region and of that time, when they were being told not to preach the word of God anymore by men that were in charge in those days, here's how they responded in Acts chapter number 5. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Now, if a man tells you to do something that violates God's word and God's law, then you keep the commandments, you keep the laws, but you do it, in regard to the oath that you have to God as well. 
And if what God says contradicts what man says, you do what God says. Verse number 3. Be not hasty to go out of His sight. (laughs) Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You ever get after one of your kids and they storm off? How does that go? When you get after one of your kids and they go storming off... Do you feel more gracious? Or do you feel like bringing the hammer down? Listen, some of you young people would do yourselves a lot of good to learn this lesson. Do not be hasty to go out of the sight of your authorities if you're mad about something or if you don't like what they just said. It is not going to do you any good. If you learn how to stand before your authorities and take your licks, it will be a lot better for you one of these days. But it is hard to be gracious to somebody who storms out. I've had people storm out of my office. A grown adults storm out of my office. Well, you act, act like little five-year-olds. Not since I've been here. Nobody's done that. Not yet. And I tell you, it takes a lot of self-control for a parent. And it takes a lot, and he's trying to give you some counsel here. It takes a lot of self-control for somebody who's in authority. If you are hasty to go out of his sight because you don't like his law. There's a lot of wisdom to to be gathered here. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing. In other words, don't be belligerent and be like, well, I, don't, I, I did what was right. If he told you it was an evil thing, if your mom or dad told you it was an evil thing, if the judge told you it was an evil thing, just, just leave it alone. Don't stand stiff-necked in that, well, I, I know what's right and I didn't do anything wrong. Well, if you broke the law of the land, you did do something wrong. Whether you like it or not, you did do something wrong. I've heard, and, and, and I love them, I've heard preachers stand up and say things like, I'll tell you why I don't wear a seatbelt, because they tell me to. Okay, well, God bless you. You know, but what are we teaching? <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm going to have to leave that one alone before I start naming names. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing. For he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Right? He's going to do whatever he wants, whether you like it or not. So it doesn't help you to be hasty to go out of his sight and to keep standing in your evil thing. It doesn't help you at all. I I shouldn't admit this. Uh, You ever watch those court cam things? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You ever, you, ever seen, you, ever seen, you ever seen a judge when somebody spouted off to him and continued to stand in an evil thing and then go storming away from the microphone after they told the judge off? That doesn't go well. <laughs> that doesn't go well. And it's good for us to teach our children these things as well. Young people, you need to understand... <laughs> It's not just about mom and dad. It's about all authorities. You need to be respectful and you need to learn that if that, listen, if that's the law of the church, that's the law of the church. It may not be the law at your home, but that's the law of the church. And parents, help me. Help me keep the laws of the church. Like I'm not, I don't know if one time since I've been here I've ever stood up and said, hey, tell your your kids to do this. So 
I'm not saying that I've got a bunch of laws and commandments that I think that the, that the kids ought to keep. I love that the kids have fun in church. I want them to have fun in church. Um, since, I, since I was a little tyke in church, my parents were always telling me, don't run in church. You know, you shouldn't. You know, there, there are reasons why you shouldn't. We don't want to run into the elderly. We, we, we don't want to run around a corner. My parents told me not to run in church, and I went sta- downstairs in the basement of the church in West Virginia and ran circles. And I came around a corner. Um, actually, I was, it, was a, it was a right-hand corner. I came around a corner, and one of my buddies was down there running in circles too. I don't know why we were both running in circles, but we were. And we both ran around going opposite directions around this corner. Bam. I, I don't know why this happened, but it was like we must have been running with our heads forward. We smacked our heads so hard, and it took like all the impact. It was crazy. I fell down, blacked out, had a goose egg on, the, on my head like this, and I had, to go, I had to go upstairs like that when my mom had just told me not to run in the church. Be sure your sin will find you out. I have never gotten after the kids here for running in the church. I'm not even talking about that. I'm using that as an, a silly illustration. I do think you need to be careful about those things. But look, it, it does not help to teach your kids that there's just one set of rules. It's my rules, and it doesn't matter what setting you're in. What I say goes, and so if you're in the church, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what the preacher says, the Sunday school teacher says, or anything else. You can, you can talk in class, and you can drop your candy, and you can... Okay, if you let them do that at home, that's fine. If you let them talk back to you and talk out while you're talking, and, and if you let them run circles and jump on the, on the counter and, and jump on... And I have seen this. I was in somebody's home once where there were literally three boys on the counter while we were eating. I'm sorry, on the table that we were eating at. I couldn't even, I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. It's not my house, not my rules. I'm not going to correct them with their kids. But and that, 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 they weren't the only kids. My children were there. They know what I'm talking about. Crazy. Crazy. Fine. If you let your kids run amok at home, that's fine. But if the Sunday school teacher says, this is how we behave, and then little Fauntleroy comes home and says, Mommy, I don't know, my teacher, and don't go storming after the teacher. There was a day when we supported authorities. There was a day when if you got in trouble at school, you got in trouble at home. There was a day when if you got in trouble at church, you got in trouble at home. And there are reasons for that. You teach your child that only your rules are the ones that go, and what's going to end up happening is that no matter what setting they are in in life, they will be unruly and they will not know how to listen to anybody. You don't want that out of your children as they grow grow older. We have to learn that in whatever setting we are in, it is, it is appropriate to be appropriate in that setting. And back the authorities up. Parents, back the authorities up. Now, w- one thing that has happened, and, and, and um, we've taken this too far, we've overreacted, is that there have been abuses in schools, churches, and other things. And so as a result, some parents are like, well, I don't trust anybody anymore. Well, that's fine. But the reality is that most people in this world are not out to abuse or hurt anybody. So by just deciding we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and, well, I can't trust the school system, well, I can't trust the church because there was that one guy that I heard about in another state over there that one time that did this and that, and I found out they were doing this to the kids in the church, then because of that, I don't care what they say. When my kids are in church, they get to do whatever they want because I don't trust any authorities. That kind of attitude is seeping into some of our homes. And it is really hurting 
not our churches, it's hurting your children. Our church will be fine if your kids run amok. Your kids won't be. The Sunday school teacher will eventually be fine if your kids run amok in the Sunday school class, but your kid won't be. The Bible says, Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing. For he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Whoever is in charge is in charge. It is not going to help you to be stiff-necked and go hastily out of their presence going running after mom and dad and saying, hey, mom and dad, you don't understand. So-and-so said that I'm supposed to do this and this and this. And mom and dad go over there and say, whoa, how, how dare you talk to my kid like that? Odds are little Johnny or Susie isn't telling you the whole story. It would be good for two adults to have an adult conversation and hear each other out. And you know, um, I know this is shocking, but... Your kid isn't perfect. Your grandkid isn't perfect. They do things wrong. I know, that's crazy. I can't even imagine that's true, but it's true. My kids are not perfect. If any of my kids get out of order in any setting where you are the authority, correct them, and I will back you up. I know nobody wants to say amen about my kids, right? But... My kids are feeling awkward right now. They're like, that has always been our rule. You will help your kids more if you have that rule with them. Your authorities are your authorities. Now, there are, we need to know how to talk to our kids about these things too. There are times that authorities are wrong. And on more than one occasion, I had authorities in my life that were wrong. You know how my parents dealt with it? Look, I'm not sure I would have done things that way, Josh. But so-and-so is the Sunday school teacher there. And that's their rule. So listen to them. You're still backing up the authority while also expressing some practicality. You can talk with your kids and be real with them, but don't undercut authorities and be careful to let your kids just run hastily away from their authorities and stand in an evil thing and never do anything about it. It's just, this is not good for them. This is a king giving us counsel about what not to do when you're standing before a king. Verse number 4. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? It just doesn't work that way. Hey, king, what in the world are you doing? Not a good idea. Who sayest that to him? Verse number 5. Whoso keepeth the commandments shall feel no evil thing. In other words, if he tells you to do something and you do it, and he's a good man, I mean, all of these things are within reason. Understand, obviously, there are evil, wicked dictators. We're not talking about somebody like, I guess I better not start naming names, but um, we're, we're, we're not talking about a wicked and evil dictator that only wants to do evil. But if somebody is genuinely attempting to do right, and they have the heart to do things that are right, look, if you'll keep the commandment, you're going to feel no evil thing. But if you don't keep the commandment, and you stand in an evil thing, and you go hastily out of their sight, you're going to feel some evil things. <laughs> like on the gluteus maximus. But this is the reaction of a person who's in authority. You want, to, you want to stand in an evil thing and you want to go hastily out of their, out of their presence, then you're going to feel it. It's literally what he said. That's kind of a term that was a little more popular maybe 20 or 30 years ago, but it still is in circulation today some. You're going to feel that later. Like, 
That's literally what he said. So you've got, you've got to understand your setting. Verse number 5, Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and what? Because to every purpose, there is time and judgment. There are reasons for why rules are made the way they're made. There's a time and a purpose for these things. Because to every purpose, there is time and judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him. People who don't understand that to every purpose, there is time and judgment. And when they don't understand proper timing of how to behave in certain situations and when to behave in certain situations and, and what to behave in certain situations because they don't understand proper timing, a lot of times the misery of man is great upon him because he doesn't know how to apply wisdom to these situations. Does that make sense? For he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? You walk out of the king's presence angry. You don't know what's coming next and you don't know when it's coming. But it's probably not going to be good. So learn. Learn from the wisdom of a king on these things. It's important for us to understand the wisdom of appropriate timing and the use of good judgment. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but I feel like it's something the Lord would have me to say, and, and we'll, be, we'll be just about finished here. Know the wisdom of appropriate timing and the use of good judgment, not just in laws and commandments and so on, but we've got to be teaching our young people to pay attention to the big picture setting that they are in and be appropriate and apply wisdom to it. They need to know the right timing and setting to use proper judgment about things pertaining to their authorities on a lot of this stuff. But it's vital to teach them... I'm going to get off my notes and stop reading and just try to relate to you here. I've known some young people that were never taught how to take certain things serious. We teach our kids, look, I want you to have fun at church. Have fun with your friends. That's all fine. But once the church service begins, the hymnals, the testimonies, the preaching, the special music, it's time to stop playing and making jokes and having fun and that's when it's time to get serious. Now, that doesn't mean that church should not be fun. It doesn't mean that church shouldn't have laughs and, and shouldn't be enjoyable. It doesn't mean that it should be you know, as depressing as a Catholic service. That's not what I'm talking about. But they, they need to be taught appropriate timing on how to behave in certain situations. And, you know, how much do I say here? There have been times when some of our kiddos have come back from a service, for example, and God really spoke to our heart during a message or during a song. And then maybe one of my kiddos kind of makes a joke about the song. Starts singing it inappropriately in, in a mocking way. And 
in that moment, it's not the best idea as a parent to stop and let them have their fun and then get involved in their fun and all of you just start making fun of the song when what was going on was God was using that and, and it was being used to move in people's hearts. What you need to do is stop and correct your child and say, look, God was moving in the hearts of people during that song and you need to take it seriously. This is not something to, to joke about. When God moves, we don't joke about that. Kids don't know. They don't know. They have to be taught. They're little. They're not understanding proper time and judgment. When they're, when they're really small, sometimes they don't connect the dots on that stuff. But if you let them just make jokes about certain settings and never take God seriously, or, or, or should I say never take uh, or, or not take certain songs and certain messages and certain testimonies, not take them seriously, and they turn it into a joke, and you let them turn it into a joke, and then everybody just jumps in, and you're like, yeah, that was pretty funny, and did you hear that way they messed up, and this one thing? Listen to me, it doesn't matter to me if somebody messes up. If God used it, God used it. Let's talk about what God did in that thing and learn how to take that situation seriously. Does that make sense? Because we really damage our young people, and we can really damage what God is able to do in our own hearts and in their hearts if we don't teach them appropriate timing and how to take the things of God seriously. This, this is a burden to me. I heard the testimony of a young man who came back from youth camp one year. And I guess maybe he was just not taught to take certain things seriously, or I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But all these teenagers are, are coming to the pulpit and they're giving um, their testimonies. And I mean, God is moving in that testimony service. And we're hearing the heart of these young people about what God has done in their lives. And then, and then one young man walks up. Um, well, I can't really say I got anything out of the preaching or anything this week, but I do think maybe I met the person I'm supposed to marry and I did have some fun, and he goes on and on and on. And, I... and some people are laughing and thinking it's funny. And, and I'm sitting there, I, I, I'm grieved. I'm thinking, this is not funny. We've got God moving in this service, and then some dummy steps up to the pulpit and turns it all into a joke, and nobody thinks that's inappropriate. You didn't get anything out of the preaching? Then sit down and shut up. Because this, in this testimony service, we were supposed to be letting God speak to other people's hearts through the testimonies of our young people. Take it seriously or shut your mouth. I wasn't in authority in that situation. I was just sitting there listening. So it wasn't my place to stand up and correct them. But I was boiling. And you know what came out of that person's life? They married that individual and got divorced, and messed up their life, and lives in all kinds of spiritual trouble. Shocker. I could have told you that the day that he gave that testimony when he turned something that was serious into a joke and nobody thought there was anything wrong with it, nobody did anything about it, and his parents laughed at it with him afterwards. That's kind of maybe why he went off, stray, off, off the path and went astray. Because he wasn't taught what's appropriate and what's not. And he wasn't taught to, taught to take the house of God seriously. And apparently didn't take camp week seriously at all. And sat in the services and treated the services the same way he treated that testimony time. 
Listen, please, please, hear the counsel of the king. To every purpose there is time and judgment. To every purpose there is time and judgment. There is an appropriate time for everything. There is an appropriate time to sit and have fun and joke and tease and laugh. And You know what? Every now and then, it's even okay to get a good chuckle out of a song that was messed up in church. We do it. You do it. Nothing wrong with that necessarily. You're just having fun. Now, if you're, if you're picking at the person and gossiping about them and tearing them apart and being serious about it, well, that's a totally separate issue. But if somebody messed up and everybody gets a chuckle out of it later on, is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. As long as everybody still loves each other and we all understand and we can all, you know. But my soul, if we're not careful, we are letting our kids decide what's appropriate and what isn't appropriate. And they're not being taught anything. And they will grow up with the wrong spirit and the wrong idea about God, the wrong idea about God's movement in their lives, the wrong idea about the Holy Spirit, the wrong idea about what's serious and what isn't, and they will be a mess. Just because you love your kids doesn't mean they're perfect and it doesn't mean they need to be coddled in every situation. Teach them appropriate timing and teach them how to use proper judgment. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please, please take these truths that we've learned this evening and help us to apply them to our lives. We, we have heard from your word and Lord, I pray that you would please help us to have tender enough hearts to be spoken to about the things that we need. With heads bowed and eyes closed,